Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to Wealth Within Live, the Australian stock market show where you ask the questions and we give the answers about all things investing and trading. Now, last week was an exciting one on the market, so I'm sure you're all champing at the bit to find out about our thoughts on where things are headed. Now, again, we have an information pack show lined up for you tonight, but that for some of you may be a little bit confronting as we'll challenge your thinking. Now, our goal as always is to educate people to be great traders, and sometimes that means giving praise when it's due, and in others it means, well, we need to give some people a reality check if you actually know what I mean. Now, it's the second Tuesday in the month, and that means we get into giving you our thoughts on the sectors and indices in the Australian market. And right now, this is a perfect time for this, as we'll give you our thoughts on where they are all headed and where the opportunities will be. As always, we'll answer your questions and look at the stocks that you're interested in, give your expert opinion and a whole lot more. Hello, I'm Dale Gillam, Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within, and joining me tonight is Janine Cox, our Senior Analyst, and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Hi, Dale, and thank you for that lovely introduction. The market was exciting last week, and look, it's good to see the ups and downs, isn't it, on our market? Yeah, I think it was great. I mean, we did the show, and the, the, the market had been up for Monday and Tuesday, and everybody thought everything was nice, but we were telling everybody that it was going to fall away, and... Mm. Uh, that's what happened. It did. It actually listened to you, didn't it? Well, it always does what I tell it to do. <laughs> Unlike um, a lot of other people around here, you. Um, it does not actually, mentioning not any names. Men- not mentioning any names. But uh, no, that is, it's, the market's doing normal things. But it is interesting looking at um, people's comments coming through, you know, like I had one today, like somebody says, you know, when's the market crashing? Mm. And it's like, and I've been saying for months that the market's not going to crash. So if you're watching our videos and and, uh, this live um, stream and you think the market's going to crash, I think I need to seriously have a chat with you because it's definitely not going to crash. Yeah. Um, The US market's definitely not going to crash. I mean, they've been saying that for a long time and it's Mm. just gone sideways, hasn't it? Well, yeah, but we, the the flip side is prior to the 2007 high, I think for what was it, 18 months? Yep. Or more, we were saying the high is coming, the high is coming, it's going to turn, we're going to have a big crash. Nobody believed us. Everybody mm. thought that, that the market was just going to go up forever. And then so you have it, to almost be contrarian to what the, ma- the mm. masses are thinking, don't you? Yeah, and, and the thing is, is people weren't believing us. But mm. then, you know, now when we say the market's not going to crash, people are going, oh, I don't believe you. Mm. Um, but again, it's your money. You, you can lose it all you like. That's as fine if you keep making the wrong decisions. But really, that contrarian view is really what we want to do. And, you don't and have to worry if you've got proper rules in place anyway. 
No, you don't, and that's the point. Is we talk oh, about it really you know, doesn't let matter profits if run, cut losses short. Yeah, that's right. That's what we always talk about, and to me, it's always as long as you're protecting the downside. Who cares about what happens with the upside? It's going to happen anyway. But mm. as as Buffett says, buying doom, selling boom. So if you're thinking it's doomy, time to buy. Um, clap your hands. <laughs> and, and clap <laughs> most definitely clap your hands. So before we move on, I need to welcome all the new people to the show. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy tonight's show. Now, if you have a burning question, then on the right is a chat box. So put your questions there and remember to be detailed as this really helps us to help you. If your question is about a stock, then tell us what you think. Why are you looking at it? Do you own it or not? Moving on, it's the second Tuesday in the month. And as Dale said, that means we're going to have a good look at the indices and the sectors in the Australian market. So let's get into that now. So on my screen here, Dale, I mean, I've got the list of, in, of all the, um, the sectors and you can see there on the right of that, um, there's a list showing the percentage movers. So that's the moves for the week. That's for the week. Yeah. So that's Monday and Tuesday, yesterday yeah. and today. So far. And you can see there that the financials were at the bottom of the list. And then at the top of the list, we've got energy. So no surprise, actually, energy and materials tend to sort of, mm. you know, work together at times and then at other times they're apart. But notice how materials and financials are sort of neck and neck together. Well, financials were down like 6 or 7% last yeah. week, something like that. I mean, like it's that. generally the main ones, isn't it? Like energy and healthcare are right up mm. there. And materials and financials are down at the bottom. So mm. they're, the, they're the four big ones, if you like, that I like to follow. So what have they done last or this month and obviously this year? Because yeah. obviously we're only six or seven, six trading days, I think, into this year. Yeah. So uh, this not, month, sorry. It's not far for the month. So if you're mm. looking at the month now, we can see healthcare takes the, the, the cake mm. at the top. Consumer discretionary is right up there. And we know that there were some tax um implications with the budget that allowed that and then industrials um, that's right up there as well so when you see industrials moving that's that always bodes well for the market mm. but financials negative 3.47 so um, you know it's on the flip side of all of that so it was, that was a saying a w- the week. week up yeah mm. the week down last week and energy was with um, financials there so we've seen a flip with energy so energy was at the top of the list for the week but the bottom of the list for the month yeah mm. I know I mean a lot of people are switching around their portfolios at the moment looking for value somewhere because yeah. some of them are thinking oh this is overvalued that's undervalued but they are switching around well the short-term moves like the weekly moves really don't mm. show you much and so we no. know that in the media they look at the daily moves a lot and the oh, weekly moves yeah. Um, it's not really helping people. Um, it's the bigger picture. You know, last Wednesday or Thursday important. when the market fell, I think it was Wednesday the fell, I was expecting calls from the media saying, hey, Dale, the market's fallen a couple of percent. Is it crashing? Because <laughs> that always happens. Yeah. When it goes up 2%, nobody rings. But Look, when maybe, it goes they're, down, maybe they're just... They just know what you're going to say now. <laughs> <laughs> Am I that predictable? I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's look at the year, see what's happening from the year just to get uh, people looking at the yeah. longer term picture. And again, you're seeing a huge different, a Big whole switch different there, change, isn't it? Isn't it? Like Infotech's right up there. So you've sort of got the top. Uh, so if we start from industrials, consumer mm. staples, communication services. Now, if we look at what you've said in the past, which is we're looking at the ones that have moved the most, then look at the ones that have moved the least, mm. uh, potentially to be the best movers um, for the year ahead. So energy's sort of at the bottom, utilities, financials, materials. Those four might actually turn around. Turn, well, they're the ones we've been saying in the second year. half of the year they should start to do better now, obviously, mm. after the pullback from there. Yeah. Did you want to have a quick look at the charts before we move on? Yeah, let's have a look at the... I know you're, um, the, you're the charting queen. Yeah, consumer... Thank you. Uh, consumer, does that make you the king? I suppose so. 
Do I get a crown? <laughs> Do you want one? <laughs> um, all right, so looking at the consumer discretionary, you can see there we're not far off the all-time high there for that um, the, that, that particular sector. Still further upside to go. And, and looking at the momentum, you know, I can see this pushing on. Mm-hmm. Um, so discretionary looks really good. Energy um, really has been the, the laggard of um of the sectors lately, moving sideways a bit like the materials sector hasn't really outperformed lately. But I think that that um, you know could change down the track. We could see that flip up. But in order for that to happen, it needs to get through this eleven thousand two hundred and two point mark, and then it's on its way again. But a move back below uh, last month's bar, and we know that there's going to be a further move on the downside, and that could change the whole longer term picture on the energy front. So looking at the financial sector, really nice move um, recently, as you say, but last uh, week we had a big um, sell-off. So it is really volatile and always was going to be volatile in the financial space. So we would need to see the financial sector trade back above 6,500 points to be making the move up through the all-time high. And look, I think eventually it will do that. It's just time will tell with this one. So healthcare, we always like to see healthcare moving on because it shows that the market's really healthy. Um, we have seen a reversal when it traded to a new all-time high, and you've got to expect that to occur. So when markets go break to new all-time highs, momentum often runs out and we see a bit of a breather. So at this point, uh, nothing to be too concerned about, and we're seeing this sector push back up. Uh, I'd like to see it get back above this high here, um, and that was back in um, August 2018. So moving ahead uh, to the next one, Info Technology. Uh, steady, steady climb it's already had. Now it's just taking a bit of a breather and moving sideways and flip across to the uh, the weekly chart. We can see a big reversal there. So that's often a bearish sign, but stocks will often come back and test previous support. And this is what um, the markets do as well in sectors. And we're seeing that happen um, for now. I think it's just taking a bit of a breather, but it's a bit of a warning when you see some of these big moves up, down, and then a reversal happens so strong like that. So just keep an eye on that. That space. Um, so then we've got um, the the XJO. So this is the broader index. Have we got any more sectors there, Dale, or is that all you wanted to to show tonight? There's probably more, isn't there? Materials I think we've is done after all the that. Broader sectors there, so, so I'll just go to the material sector there, and we can see how it's been moving up steadily to challenge that all-time high over time. Now we're actually seeing this um, consolidation, if you like, in in the sector. So I think. Th- there is potential for further downside, short-term downside. I think more medium term, though, we're going to see it eventually kick back up again. So that's materials and industrials. Uh, looking at industrials, really strong. I, I would actually like to see this sector come back a little mm. bit, take a bit more of a breather. So if it does that in the short term, like the materials um, sector and the financials, if they all come back a tick more, then you know we'll get that move down that we've been looking for. Mm. And mm. then I'd like to see it head back above that 4,600 points. So that's sort of a, a bit of an important level for um, this industrial sector. And looking ahead at staples, consumer staples is a great one to always have some exposure to, or at least have a stock in this sector on your watch list um, and have it part of your port, a good port, solid portfolio. You can see there on the weekly chart, and this is driven um, by wool, has been historically driven by Woolworths and West Farmers. And you can see um, that it's actually trading below that high, uh, the recent high as well, which is great to see because it's coming back with the market. 
Um, but a bit harder than I actually expected the staples to come back. So in the short term, looking to see that recover back above this high of July, because that's pretty important level, seeing it, it broke above um, this um, 2018 high. And that's a really important point, that 2018 high, 8,530 points. Um, looking at the communications services sector, which Telstra dominates, we've said before in previous recordings. Now, the curious thing here is that the, there's a little gap there on the uh, the weekly chart, which, you know, often these gaps do get filled. Um, and that's a flag, a bit of a red flag at the moment, but it may not come back all that way. The, the, the decline so far has been quite orderly. Um, I'd actually, looking at it, if it goes below 800 points, then I'm expecting it to come back all the way down to here. So that wouldn't be too good for Telstra, I'd say. But at the moment, it's only three months down. It's had um, a number of months up, more than double that. So you'd expect it to come back for three or four months as part of the next move up. Mm. So that's um, communication services. Um, utilities. Um, I've, look, I'll, I still like the sector at the moment. It looks interesting. And uh, the fact that it's holding at around that 8,000 point market can often be a bit more defensive when other sectors are yeah, being sold yeah. off and then get sold off when other sectors are moving forward. Mm. Um, so look, I haven't written it off yet, but it, this was a really bearish move that occurred um, on the downside on the weekly chart. So I'm just sort of watching it and, and um, carefully over the next coming weeks to see what happens and whether we get a move above this point here, this high of this bar, the 20th of September 2019. So that's 5,560 points. We need to see it get above that. But then it's still got some hurdles because there's a lot of resistance. And note the angle of the, the highs going up across here, um, getting higher, but sort of following a nice line. So um, I'm just watching to see whether the, this sector can push back up towards that high. So there's some interesting um, mm. movements there on the sectors across the board, some more volatile than others, but, but that's to be expected at this time. Well, it is. And there's somebody on the chat, and I can't remember who the name was. I was just having a quick read of the chat because we've got a lot of questions already, which is exciting to you, I know, because you like looking at the charts. Um, but somebody was asking about, you know, with with the pullback that we're expecting, he's mm. asking when's it going to happen? Is it going to happen before the end of the month and then be rising at the end of the month? Or when's it going to happen? And this is where... Really, it's it's irrelevant to you to understand that because at the end of the day, what Janine and I say is protect your capital, protect your downside, and, and then take the upside and let the upside run. And a lot of people over the last few months have been saying to me, well, what do I do if the pullbacks is happening? Do I sell all my stocks and come back later? And I go, well, that's great, but do you know when to sell and when to buy back in again? And if you don't, then you're wasting your time because you'll get out at the wrong time and you'll get back in at the wrong time and you really had a nil-sum game. In, mm. All you've done is give the broker a lot more money. And currently, if you watch my report um, from yesterday, the, the fall that we're expecting is probably 3 to 6% from where it is currently, or yeah. where it was, where it closed on Friday. So that's like next to nothing in, in the scheme of things. So really, you don't need to worry about that. Don't worry about what the market's doing. Janine and I never, ever make a buying decision based on what the All Lords is doing. We make the decision based on what the stock is doing. So what stocks we own or what we don't own and we're looking to buy, that always determines our decision. What we do with the All Lords is really giving us an idea of how the market may unfold into the, into yeah, the future. Really mm. And so if we know that, and I talked about this in detail with our traders um, last week, and I did I did the live traders mm. forums for an hour with the diploma students and obviously advanced ones. And I was talking about how, how the market moves from low to high to low and showing them where the best places are to buy, 
where to slow back on your buying and where mm. to stop buying and where to be exiting and just showing them in terms of pattern um, how to do that and how to work out when the market and stocks are telling you. Yeah. They give you road signals or they give you like well, big stop I mean, signs and green lines. We've been asked about, you know, is it the start mm. of the month, end of the month, which you can figure out if you put the time aspect of the, mm. the analysis into it as well. Mm. And it just depends on what it is you're actually doing. To If you're trading the index or trading something that's yep. closely related to the the market index, then you might mm. want to be able to do that if you're trading really short term, which you can do with the price pattern and time mm. analysis to pinpoint when the turn's more likely to occur. But like you say, if you're managing a portfolio of stocks, you don't need to know whether the turn's going to be early or later because you're you're following mm. your stocks. Yeah, your stocks will tell you when to get yeah. in and get out of them. And that's really what it's about. Because you can work out times and it's, um, mm-hmm. it's uncanny how when we're looking each week at the stocks mm. and, it, and we, you know, I've, I've got, I've always got the time where I think that the stock's going to turn. Correct. And it's just uncanny how it turns so close to those lines or right on the line. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so that's why it's really important to have price pattern and time there. But, you know, the type of trading that we're doing with mm. the direct equity managed account service, we're not looking for, you know, the pinpoint turn to be able to try to sell right on the turn. We're looking for confirmation because the, the mm. time that we think the market's going to turn is just a warning sign that everything's happening as it should be um, or unfolding as it should. And then we can actually, you know, really confidently follow through mm. with what our rules are. So that's, to me, that yeah. just gives the trader mm. real confidence in what they're doing. Well, they do. And to me, it's like when I look at times like this, you really know when, um, how do I say, when the amateurs are coming out to play because mm. they're constantly making the wrong decisions or the opposite decision as what what they should be making. And there's an old saying well, that... When, you, when you say that, how do you mean? Can you well, explain? I'm saying that the, the old saying is the amateurs buy at the top and sell at the bottom where the professionals mm. buy at the bottom and sell at the top. So yeah. the professionals are doing the opposite of what the amateurs are doing and the amateurs yeah. think they time the market, but So that's why you see that push up. So when you get that mm. really big push up and then all of a sudden people get excited about that particular mm. stock or market... When in reality, that's when you should be being cautious about it. Yeah, I was working with a trader only last week about exactly what that is. I said, don't worry about that because what you're doing, and, and this is with this really cost. Oh, sorry, this person that was dealing with me was uh, somebody who was just coming onto our courses and they're asking my help. And they had this trade and I said, but you've, you've left half your profit on the table because you've made a knee-jerk reaction to your sell. Mm. You haven't used solid rules on that. And it was a trade they took... Mm. Um, just before they're joining our course. And I said, what you've done is your entry's wrong, but then you've compounded it, even though you've made money, because they were telling me how good mm. they were mm. in their trade. And I go, no, it was a terrible trade. You made money, but it was a terrible trade because you cost yourself some money off the bottom because you didn't get in at the wrong, wrong time. Yeah. But using the rules that we teach just in my book, mm. they would have doubled their money on that stock. Right. And they cost themselves an absolute bomb by getting out way too early because they panicked mm. because of what was going on on the market, like we've seen in the last week, you know, where yeah. the market's been a bit volatile. People go, oh, shit, I've got to get out of my shares, mm. got to protect my capital. So they had no rules at all? No, they had very, they had, they thought they had rules. And mm. this is the thing is that um, what I um, affectionately called delusional trading. Mm-hmm. People are deluded thinking they have rules and they know what they're doing. Mm. But then when you start asking them questions about what are they doing, they don't really know how to articulate it. Like I have okay. so many people that I speak to on the phone, I go, they go, yeah, I'm a trader. I go, okay, so how do you trade? But is that because it's so grey because they don't have any structure? Correct. They don't have structure. Mm. You know, they're telling me that they're a trader. Mm. They're telling really me that they've traded structure. for three to 10 years. 
there. And then when mm. I say, well, how do you trade? The answer I get quite often is, oh, ComSec. I go, that's mm. not how you trade. That's the platform you're using. Yeah. And just because you buy and sell a share doesn't make you a trader in my book. Mm. And, and when I say, well, okay, so how do you select the stocks you're going to buy? And then what triggers you buy and what triggers you sell? What rules and techniques and strategies? And then I just get this like spaghetti mixture of stuff that's just not articulated properly. Okay, so you're saying that on one mm. hand, people are not following rules and mm. they're, they're really sort of skirting around the surface on things and Correct. making mistakes. And then on the other hand, when we get questions about, you know, when's the market going to turn, we want to know, you know, we know why people are mm. asking that. I understand why they're asking yeah, that. Yeah, but, but we know that's not important for them, but it's, it's not easy for us to explain to share with them exactly why that's not important, is it? Because they're coming from the point of not knowing. So how do you... Yeah. But the thing is, they don't realise it's not that important mm. because they don't have that strategy and process. They think yeah. understanding when the market's going to peak and trough is going to make them more money, and it's not. Yeah, and, it's... That, and that, I find that tough, actually, to mm. um, really convey that message to people mm. about how important it is to ignore certain things. Oh, I do. And there's an old mm. saying that a wise man learns more from a dumb question than the person asking it. Yeah, that's and it really mm. is true. And both you and me have had people in our faces at faces at expos or mm. wherever we've been, where there've been speaking engagements for whoever. And we get these people, and, and tradies know what we're talking about here because tradies yeah. get dumb questions all the time mm. um, from people asking them to do stuff. And okay. have you and, asked a dumb question? Well, I've asked dumb questions of traders, yes, because I'm yeah. not a tradie. But right. but you get people asking you questions or making statements to you that you know are ill-informed. And I like uh, it the fact that he's asked a dumb question. Sorry. <laughs> well, I reckon if a que if you don't ask it, it's really dumb, then isn't it? I'd rather just keep asking <laughs> questions. Because the thing is, if I keep asking questions, then I find out more. And yep. I was mentoring a young guy just recently, and I said, you know, the best advice I ever got when I was young is to if I was in in the presence of somebody who knew more than mm. I did and, and, and was where I wanted to be, just shut up and listen because you can't flap your mouth and learn at the same time. Yeah. And that was the best advice I ever, ever got. So when I was in front of great traders or around great traders, I was like a sponge, just mm. sponging it up. And then I'd go and do what they do because simply they know, they know how to make money. Mm. And so that's what the comment was is, you know, that the wise person learns more from a dumb question than the person asking the question because the person asking the question often doesn't even take the advice anyway. And that's 99% of the time. So mm -hmm. why ask the question in the first place? Right. But let's kind of have a look at the chat. Okay. So we'll get into that and have a bit of a look. I've got to put my glasses on. Here's a whole heap of stocks that you can start whacking into the thing. Um, but as I said, we had a great question, as I said, about the market, but you don't really need to worry about where the market is heading right now. You just need to protect your capital. So we're going to go into CYBG. Now, I did do a, a recording on it for our students a few weeks ago because it had a huge drop um, in the last month. So that's Clydesdale Yorkshire Bank. Um, there and there was some things going on in the UK, but um, I think it's one to watch um, in the coming future. But this one's from Binnett and it says, hello all, please let me know about the CYBG stock. Will it really go up due to all Brexit happening? Um, so that's, we'll get into all of that. Good so, question. Yeah, it is a really, really good question um, from that point of view. So we'll have a bit of a look at that now. Um, uh, we've got Sheree asking us about the banks now. I know the banks always hot topic on us. Oh, Asked specifically about the banks, but well, we will talk a bit about them. Um, we haven't been asked by Cherie exactly what banks, so I've just picked two that I like. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, and then we go into, I'm just looking for a question. Um, we've got Will saying, um, hi, Dale and Janine, can you please get your thoughts on A2 Milk? So we'll have a look at that. 
Um, and then it goes, when the 50-day moving average crosses below the 200-day average, should I be concerned by this? I was just um, going to ask you, is that Will from our trading group? No, and I just realised no, when the question was about moving averages that it wouldn't be. We don't, move, we don't use moving averages, matey. I just don't find them as effective. But, you know, in theory, when the fast-moving averages go, average go below the slow-moving averages, that's where they're telling you to sell. But um, I've never used a 50-day or 200-day moving when, average. When I first started getting into the mm. market, I found that so many people were teaching that. So hey. there's, there's, that's one of the first things you'll learn. So to me, if people are looking at moving averages, it tells me, and please don't take offence by this, but this is, but I've been mm. where you are. Mm. So it tells me where you're at in terms of your journey through this whole process. And mate, you've got a long way to go yet because, you know, that is nothing compared to what you can learn. Yeah, but it's like everybody average. doing all these educators, inverted mm. comments, commas, whatever you call them. They teach, a pla- they teach all these tools that are on a piece of software. Well, I remember the first time I met you, you were talking mm. to me about, because the first time mm. I met Dale, I was talking about moving averages. And Dale said to me, you know, forget... When I stop laughing? Yeah. Right? Okay. He said, forget moving averages, use trend lines. Mm. So I almost pulled my hair out. <laughs> um, and that's probably why he's lost a bit <laughs> over the years. Um, I have lost a bit from doing trend lines. <laughs> off yeah. the top. Um, you know, because mm. trend lines actually drive you crazy in the beginning when you're first un- learning the rules. But once you actually start mm. to use them, you just see how powerful they are. And um, Dale used to say that, you know, if it looks like a dog, then it pr- when people are applying trend lines, if it looks like a dog, then it probably is. Mm. So, you know, it, it took years, didn't it, to formulate really good rules around trend lines so that people would um, be c- totally clear on what, a trend line was and how to apply it and you know we've continued to perfect that over yeah, time. I've seen some interesting trend lines and, and mm. without being rude to anybody that's watching this show I can guarantee unless you're a student you can't draw trend lines. Yeah well you said to me that there were people who were saying they could draw trend lines. Oh all the time. And I, I remembered that I was going to invite a guest onto one of our forums and mm-hmm. he reckons he knew trend he he understood trend lines but he'd never actually done our course. No, oh, he wouldn't know how to do a trend line well, in well then he started drawing trend lines on the daily chart and I just mm-hmm. sort of had to stop him and say, mate, look, oh, I think I'll you, do the trend line. Did I ever tell you the story about me mm-hmm. and I was presenting at an expo? Um, you presented at lots of oh, expos. Oh, well, I know that. So but I, I was presenting at an one? expo and I was talking about trend lines and somebody in the crowd, as you always get one in the heckler. Mm-hmm. I love hecklers because they're really cool to fun to play with. I remember the first when mm-hmm. I first did a live presentation for a group and Dale mm-hmm. taught me about the hecklers. And um, the hecklers are actually your friend. They are. I love them because they Cause give me a place to go somewhere. Because it such an interesting mm. um, topic to go on, doesn't it? And they get more out of you. But this heckler yeah. was saying, ah. Oh, well, what about moving averages? And I said, what about them? And he goes, they'll beat your trend lines. I went, mm. no, they won't. Mm. And he goes, yeah, they will. And I said, well, pick a stock. So we picked a stock and I, I drew my trend lines on it. And then I said, what's your moving average? And he told me and I put it on and I said, I beat you here, 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 here. Where's the next stock? <laughs> and he went, well, I said, I'm going to stand here picking stocks until you give up. Are you giving up yet or you want to give me another stock? And mm. he walked away. Because I knew what we do works. Yeah, learn trend lines over moving it averages. Works. Forget it you, shits if you, all when over. you start learning mm. how to do those properly, you, you just forget the moving averages. <laughs> Seriously, you, you make will. far more money and you have a lot less trades. A lot less trades and make more far more money. Yep. So let's go into the okay, stocks. CYBG. We, CYBG. Um, now we're looking a bit yellow here or green. <laughs> the screen, that's right. <laughs> this is techno, techno yellow. Um, looking at the monthly chart, you can see there that uh, CYBG is, has seen better days and is trading at an all-time low. Um, now, this doesn't mean that it can't get cheaper because, I mean, it, the lowest price, I think, was um, $1.93. It can always go lower. However, it looks like it might be finding a little bit of support. So, say, for instance, this mm-hmm. low here in September 
Um, if the this um, stock continues to trade below there, then the bottom obviously is not in yet, and you'd still be counting how long that may be. Like you know, one of the things that I would be doing if if you're wanting to try to work out where the bottom of this is, is you bring your price pattern and time in, and you'll be able to see where the most probable point is for the turn on CYB and it's just amazing how that works. So looking at this, I would say um, if we get a strong rise back above last week's bar, then that could be the low and that might be a good um, sign that it could trade above this high. But if it if it stays down around this um, to the end of the week, then it's much less probable for it to take, up, take that high through. So I don't like this stock for obvious reasons. Um, as far as the Brexit situation, did you want to comment on that? Uh, look, they're washing out a whole lot of stuff at this point in time, but the point is, is has it stopped falling? Now, if you're not in it, mm. then you don't really care. Um, but I'm guessing, considering they're asking, is okay. that they obviously own it, because a lot of times when that it's stock's fallen... It's unfortunate, Well, it is unfortunate, and a lot of people, times when people do ask about a stock mm. that's fallen heavily, heavily they actually own it. Heavily, probably, so, right here. But the mm. point is, will it ever go back up? Yeah, it's a big bank. It's a mm. big, and it's um, had a, lot, a national bank still owns it, I think, or a big chunk of it. Oh, I'm not um, sure what in, in Australia. Because they've floated it off, so it's... Yeah, yeah, it was part of the National Bank off. Group, but it just whether it's, it's finding support, and as you said, it, do, it really does need to find support where it is. But mm. right now, I wouldn't own it. I wouldn't have my money near it, if uh, from that point of view. And is it going to go up? It will one day, but right now, it's not looking really, really healthy, so... Let's have a look right. at the next stock, which is from Alumina. Alan, um, which is Illumina. Now, I'll look at the, yeah. the history of Illumina. The, the, to me, this is really a fascinating stock to look at. If you go right back here, you can see how volatile the history of this share has been. And look, some people who are really sceptical about technical analysis say at the start of their journey, oh, you can't make decisions about stocks now using technical analysis, using the history, because it was a different company then or something's changed with the company. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, I've disproven that time and time again by showing people how the price, time and pattern works in the future and how it does influence or indicate to you when things are most likely to occur, whether, there are going to be a, whether there's going to be a rise or a fall. And looking at um, Illumina at the moment, it's got really strong support across this $2.10, uh, $2.20 mark, which I quite like. And off that high there, I'd, I'd like to see the stock um, get a bit more traction behind it. So once this volatility um, unfolds on our market, if we see the stock move through that high, that'd be a really nice move up. I just I just really like this stock. I think it's a good trading stock. There are, There's some really good rules that if you know how to backtest properly, um, you can find a really good set of rules mm. for this for this share that'll keep you safe when the volatility increases and also allow you to make a, a nice return. So that's Illumina. Um, I put it. I like the stock. If it, like I said though, if it, there's always an upside and a downside. So we're always looking at okay, the way that we trade is we say okay, if the stock trades through this or these, th you know, numerous things happen with price pattern and time, then we're more likely to think that it's going to rise, and we can put a forecast on it. The analysis allows mm -hmm. us to determine how far the stock is most likely to rise before it has its next turn. But on this, at the same time, every stock or trade that we're looking at, we're always looking at, well, what's the downside and, and what will it do if it's, or what will it show us if it's more likely to continue to fall? Because it's almost mm. like, you know, a card player showing his hand and, you know, it, the, the stock is going to show its hand to you and tell you whether it's more likely to go up or down at any given time. Mm. So that's what we're looking at. And Lumina being a volatile stock is something really important when you're trading it to be able to do both 
have an have a view on the upside and the downside. But yep. countless number of experts will give you one view. And oh, that's they do, mm. and they all give you like the view. Everybody's got a, an opinion. It's like backsides. Everybody's got one. Yeah. Um, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. That, that's I didn't the thing. laugh at that joke. He didn't know. He didn't laugh at. But again, it's about listening to informed opinions, and they've got to back it up with fact. Now we're technical analysts, so we look at the charts. And some people tell us we're crazy for looking at charts. Why don't we look at the stock? Um, look, or I what's think it's happening. becoming more accepted these days because mm. when you and I started, it was the voodoo. Oh, it was, it was considered I... you were weird if you looked at a chart, weren't you? Oh, look, I even had financial planners going when my first book came out going, you know, are you, are you sure you're not getting death threats for what you were talking about in here? And I went, why? Yeah. You know, and I've, we got a comment from somebody saying, how can we give stock recommendations on YouTube? Isn't that dangerous legally? And I right. said, no, it's not for us because we're... Janine and I are fund managers. That's what we do. We're fully licensed by ASIC. We're fully covered from that point of view. You know, we trade tens of millions of dollars and we've been having, we've got our own AFSL license and had it for 17 years. So unlike anybody else on YouTube, we can actually do that perfectly legally because that's what we do. Um, and Janine and, and I it's have been... And it's not a personal recommendation. No, we're not giving anybody personal view. recommendations. Mm. So we're just giving our thoughts on stocks. It's up to you to decide whether you want to own them or you don't own them. And we constantly say to people, it's their choice. Uh, that's what we have giving, a disclaimer for. Yeah, and that's also why we have a disclaimer for. But I know I know there are a lot of people on the web saying, "Buy this is the stocks I'm buying this month and blah, blah, blah. That's dangerous because they're not qualified. You know, they're not licensed by ASIC. Mm. So that is dangerous um, to look at those people. But we do this every single day. It's our profession. And, uh, and look, you know, when we're talking about mm. these stocks, I wouldn't be saying that I think you should buy it or sell no. it. I'm just giving my opinion and saying, mm. look, you know, if it was me, me I wouldn't be holding this stock or mm. I like this stock. Yeah, your choice. It's your choice. Let's quickly have a go at the banks and then we'll get into some more stuff. That's a favourite, isn't it? Um, Mm. Looking at the stock, it's actually holding up really nicely around that $80 mark so far. Um, Look, there's a possibility it could Mm. come back a little bit further. And so what if it does? Um, It's gone through a period of about three years of doing nothing. Mm. So you'd expect that once it takes off, it's not going to do that and just continue to to rise. Um, You know, it has done with the GFC, but look at the volatility with the fall in the GFC and look at the gradual fall that happened. It was almost like the um, the frog in the in the pot, you know, yeah. the story about it, the water yeah, yeah. getting hotter and hotter. I think that's what happened here for investors and they just kept continuing to hold, but disbelieving that Commonwealth Bank could ever fall. But it really is due for um, a bit of a move, isn't it's it? It's due really? for a move up, yeah. So looking at um, Commonwealth Bank on the short term, we've seen this gap filled on the weekly chart, which is nice, another mm. one there. Uh, big sell-off, obviously, last week, but you know it could. Mm. And as I said, it could come back further, in order to be um, in the um, pluses again or in the watch list again. It would need to go back above the, the week of that really volatile move last week. Mm. So you know, just watch this space with CBA Westpac, similar sort of thing off the bottom. Um, you know, it hasn't actually come back as far as I would like to mm. see Westpac pull back. But it has had a sideways move on the weekly chart, and you'd expect often that a stock will pull back and test those sideways consolidations, which is what it's done. Um, again, I didn't expect that it would come back so quickly in one week, but you know, and it could continue to fall um, from there. And let's hope it does. A lot of people a are bit. more negative on the banks and not very mm. positive, and that really goes back to what we said at the start of the show. You know, buy and doom, sell and boom. Mm. You know, if, pe- if people think the banks are on the nose, then that's probably the time to start looking and getting into them. And I know people will disagree with us on that. Yeah. Now, we're not saying to get I'm into the banks. I'm not saying buy now. I wouldn't buy be now. buying now, especially with that big yeah. move down on the week. Yeah, mm. but it's more of, well, these 
we believe these have stopped falling big time from that March, March, April 2015 high mm -hmm. to their lows. We think they've had their long-term low and they're starting to get into momentum on their next more bullish run. So and It depends mm. on what your rules are, mm. whether you do buy or not, really. Mm. Mm. And you've got to have your own rules. Mm. So that's the two banks that we like um, the most, that's okay. Commonwealth and West Well, we Bank. need to move on now. A2 Milk, have we got time no, for no, that No, no, that's next. Okay. After we come back from the, this, right. break, this, this message from our sponsor. Mm. No, we don't have any sponsor message. <laughs> <laughs> but it is time we get into our topic for the night, and that's learning how to double your money um, in the stock market. Now, uh, what everybody we do... Everybody wants to do that. Well, everybody does want to do that. And so, but now one smart guy told me he could show me how to do this really easily. And then he reached into his pocket and pulled out a $50 note, folded it in half and said, there you go, mate. <laughs> So, now, that's one way to double your money, but I think we need to get a little bit more serious on that. Now, before we get too far into things, let's look at what the expectations are of the majority of investors and traders and what they're actually doing now. Now, if you are one of those who visited our website and have completed the 60-second trading assessment survey on our website, you might be a little surprised to learn that 87.65, just to be accurate, percent <laughs> of respondents are saying they have limited to no knowledge when it comes to trading the stock market. You might also be surprised to learn that 80.8% of respondents are saying they are either not confident or they are somewhat confident about trading, but they are still not profitable. Is that you? Now, here is where we give you some of the reality check that Dale mentioned. For most of you, you sit here watching this live show every week. Great to have you on. And as you watch, you hope to gain a little snippet of information that may improve your investing or trading results. And I try to give you a little bit more. Whereas you know, as you sit there watching that you should be taking the bull by the horns. I'm not going to do a demonstration of that. And getting a quality education, which 88% of respondents in the survey say they are looking for. Although I did do some sort of um, example of that live during one presentation and nearly did you? shocked you. Oh, yes, you did too, didn't you? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but the statistics are quite profound. As, I, as I've written my book, that 90% of traders do not make money consistently. And I'm sure many of you come across that figure elsewhere on your journey through the, the web of learning to trade. So nearly 90% of you who are watching tonight will fit into these statistics. We want to change all of that. Yeah. Well, worse is that you came to our website looking for answers and you found the answer and yet 90% have done nothing. And so it's no wonder why most traders fail and investors get average to poor returns. Now, Janine, you and mm -hmm. I have been teaching people to be successful traders for around two decades. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason people give for not getting the quality education, they tell us that they, or that, that they know that they need, are always the same. And the two excuses they give us are, it's too expensive, or I don't have the time. These are just excuses, but what frustrates me is that they do not realise um, how much not having a quality education is costing them. Mm. So what these statistics are telling me is that they are choosing not to invest the time or money to get a good education, yet they want to know, or yet they all know that they want and know that a good education is important to be profitable. Sounds like this is an act of self-sabotage to me, Dar. <laughs> you nailed it there, didn't you? People are self-sabotaging themselves on the market all the time. They know what they want and what yeah. they need, but then they don't go and do it. Um, and that's really what's going on. So That's a classic cool thing is. about the start of most people's journeys, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I read the shares, what was called the Shares magazine mm. at the time to start... Yeah. of my trading and read the Fin Review. Now, what I couldn't think of a worse way to start. Nah. 
And, and people, mm. a lot of way people think that's the best good. way the to thin start. review is good, but it's just not the mm. way to start trading. Well, there's one of those uh, behavioural finance things or um, what they call heuristics yeah. um, in the market. And one of them is herd mentality, which a lot of people have heard about. Mm. And that's how most people start. They start exactly the same way as everybody else has. Reading then, a lot of information. But then 90% of traders fail. So why start that way? Yeah. And that's really what we're sort of saying here. Mm. So now, Jenny, and I know you love a good statistic and I have some more for you from the latest ASX shareholder survey. Okay, cool. Now, this report was completed for the ASX by Deloitte um, and it was released in 2017. They do it every couple of years. And, and now, you know, I've done many podcasts over the years on these reports. As, as I said, they're done every two years. Yep. So I think... I think I've done them every couple of years for like 15 years. Yeah, thank you for that. They're really insightful as to how Australians invest and what they do. So their expectations and a whole lot, sorry about that, a whole (laughs) lot more. When you read one, you realise that the statistics don't lie as you find out why so many fail or get poor returns. Now, for those watching, just Google ASX shareholder survey and you can get your own copy. So that should be on your screen. And it's around 80 pages long and very insightful. Now, whilst I'm not going to go through all 80 odd pages, I will give you some of the stats in that. Now, the research conducted for the ASX indicates that Australian investors rate the returns on their investments as the most important factor when looking to invest. Mm. This is followed by wanting either a guaranteed... Or stable return. Now, that's not all, as investors expect these guaranteed stable returns to be in the order of 8 to 9% per annum. So hang on to your seat. Mm -hmm. So what the research is suggesting is that investors want high returns with no risks attached, which we all know is not achievable. But it is just this type of thinking that is holding a lot of investors back from achieving the returns they say they want. Now, the research for the ASX also demonstrate that most investors prefer to do their own homework when it comes to investing, with a considerable number relying on third-party broker reports to make their investment decisions. And yet, as we know, many are still unhappy with the returns they're achieving, and it's really well below the 8 to 9% per annum that they're asking or they're wanting. Mm. Okay, so people want to, pr- to pretty much have a guaranteed return of 8%. They do their own research... Mm-hmm. Yet, as we know, nearly 90% admit they've limited to no knowledge and they're not confident. Is this where I pretend that I'm in the movie The Castle and they tell me that they are dreaming? <laughs> they are dreaming, aren't they? Now, really? Dale, I remember when you used to do that workshop every month called Seeds of Wealth. Yeah, I used to love doing that. And at the end, you mentioned to everyone that they had three choices from today, those being do nothing, mm-hmm. do something, or to procrastinate. So which would you do? So the results of our 60-second survey in the ASX stats are saying that 90% of people do nothing or procrastinate. It's funny about that. Well, it is funny. The savvy ones do something, though. My question to everyone watching is, how much are you willing to invest in yourself in order to know how to be able to double your returns? We all know that doing nothing or procrastinating gets you nowhere, so it seems a little crazy to me to do that when you actually know what you need. Well, Janine, unfortunately, too many people believe that investment in knowledge is costing them money. Rather, they should be looking at it in the form of perspective of how much it is costing them by not having the knowledge or education. Because education is the best investment you can make for yourself, and it's never a cost. And it's like that lady that I mentioned earlier. She made mistakes. It cost her 30% on a trade by not having education. So she realized after chatting Mm -hmm. with me. That that was the case. So how many more trades like that did she have and how much was that costing her? Probably a lot. Well, probably is a lot. But let's take a look at what the real cost is of not having an education in the market. 
in the market. Now, for those of you who have read my latest book, Accelerate Your Wealth, uh, your, it's your money, your choice. So you know that I show you over a 10 year trading period, also mm -hmm. including the GFC period, and we're trading the top 20 stocks on the ASX using trend lines alone with a stop loss. So two very simple rules, that's it. Now that you can achieve in that book, we showed you how to achieve 12.5% per annum. So a $30 book will satisfy the returns of those people on the ASX survey if they follow what you teach. Not bad, eh, for mm. 30 bucks. Now, correct. But they do have to buy and sell shares that are not guaranteed. So that's the challenge a lot of people have. Let's assume you invest 50000 and make 8% like everyone wants in the ASX survey, then you have made 4000 in the year. If you make 12.5% per annum, then your capital would have grown by 6250 in the first year, which is 2250 better, which is a pretty good return from a $30 book. Hmm. Now, let's say you have completed the Diploma of Share Trading and Investment and so now have the, the quality education and confidence to trade the market and you're able to double your returns. Now, still, using 50000 you could potentially make 13000 on your 50000 capital or around 25%, which is very achievable. Would you now say that getting an education is expensive? I think most of you would agree that it's not. Now, Janine, I know a lot of our students are getting those sorts of returns and higher. They're telling me they're getting higher as well, but that's what our students are getting. Now, mm. But to make it even simple, simpler, I get people saying to me that that will trade that that they will trade the mon uh, money that they could otherwise have used for the tuition fee mm -hmm. for the course, and then they'll pay for the course down the tracks with the down the track with the profits that they actually make. Now, well, what if they lose the money then? Well, correct. Now, I know it sounds uh, sounds pretty weird, and I agree. But people really do say that to it's, me. They'll say, "I'll trade with little to no knowledge, and so see experiment. how I go." Mm, I'll Basically. experiment with my money mm. and see how I go. So, you know, to me, trading with little to no knowledge, what chance do you think they have of but, making money? But it's often people who have knowledge in some area and are expert in some area mm. that are the, their own worst enemy. Well, I think it won't happen to me. I know you see mm. on TV all the time people go, it's oh, not, I never expect this to happen to me. No, what I'm trying to say is they're an expert in some area that's not the market. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think because they're an expert in one area that they should be able to pick it up. Yeah. I know we get a lot of people that think they're mm. who are really good at buying property and investing property and they think they can translate that straight mm. into the share market, but they don't follow the same rules and then they lose mm -hmm. and they don't understand why. And I know that happens a hell of a lot. But what I want to do before we finish up this bit is, is let's get into onto the ASX compound interest calculator and punch in some numbers and show people just how they can calculate things for themselves. So don't necessarily believe us. Look at this yourself. Because there are two things here that I'll say whilst we're, we're bringing that up. And they are interest is dead. So if you're worrying about, if you've got interest in turn deposits, bank accounts, that sort of stuff, it's dead. It's and not it's going to be dead for a long time. And it's going to be dead for a hell of a long time. So it's not where you're going to get your returns. Um, and especially not returns guaranteed of around 8%. Now, the second thing I want to say is paying more off your home loan is costing you bucket loads because you could be doing better with your money by putting it into the stock market and investing. Um, but maybe that's a subject for another show that we're going to do. We, should, we could expand on that one, couldn't we? Yeah, we can expand on it. I think we, it's probably a good idea we ha do actually have a bit of a look at it. So, um, But let's look at the compound interest calculator. So on the screen, you can see that right now. Now, we've yep. put in here, if you look at here, we just put a deposit of $10,000, which is nearly the same price as our course. Okay, So people say to me, I'm going to trade that and see what I get. And if I yep. make some money, then I'll do that. 
Now, as you can see, we have no deposits coming into it and we're compounding it annually over 10 years. And mm -hmm. so here's 5%. So you made $16,289 over 10 years. Now, if you type in 10%, now it goes to 25,937. So if you're making more than what most people are getting on the ASX at the moment, based on their research and their survey, you're getting 25,000 now. Let's and it's not much more, is it? Like it's no. only a couple of percent more. It's like it's your book, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20%. Mm. Yeah, it can make a big difference. It over makes time. a huge difference. So let's double that now to 20%, which is easy to get. Because remember, we show people how to get just with a couple of simple rules in the book. We show them how to get 12.5%. 61, 62,000. 62,000. Now, let's say you spend the whole first year. Let's put nine in here, just studying, not investing in the market. So now we do it over nine years, not 10. Mm -hmm. So you spend the whole year studying with us in our course, and then you start trading in, in year two. Yep. You still nearly double your money. Now, what I'd like to do is put in what the current interest rate is that a lot of people are getting on there um, mm -hmm. over 10 years. Okay, so people are making, that's in reality what people are making. Yeah. Over 10 about two and a half percent in the bank. Mm. That's what their guaranteed returns. And just by going into a, like going into some good stocks and just trading them actively, not necessarily mm. being a full-on day trade or really heavily trading, you're still going to do better. And and this is what people don't look at is what is not having that education. What's it costing them money? Mm. And you can see if we can, if you're getting, really good if you're getting eight percent, mm. and we and we teach you how to make sixteen, which is easy for us to teach you how to do that. Your course is going to be paid really quickly, and then you're going to make a lot of money from the compounding but, effect. But even even a lot of our students mm. decide to go on after they've done the diploma mm. and either do the advanced course or they do the um, CFD forex course. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of them that have gone on and done CFDs that are using that to make. Oh, they make even more money. I'm just keeping. I'm just keeping yeah. it really, really simple tonight. It's really mm, okay. about. It's really about what are you doing now? Now we have interest-free loans and all that sort of stuff that people can use and keep yep. your ten thousand dollars and trade that, and then yeah, still be miles better it? off. You mm. know, that's what I'm saying. So it's a no-brainer when you think of it that way. Yeah, but people make excuses because, and and the reason why it, mm. it's fear, because it's not a guaranteed return. And but why wouldn't you? If you could get it interest-free to mm. do that and start today, why wouldn't you? Correct. I'm saying you. That's what I'm saying. I said, why wouldn't you do that? I paid my money up front for all of mine yep, courses so did I. when I learned. So so did I. And that but was a long time ago. And then oh, I don't know. But <laughs> to me, it's a no-brainer. Well, that's interesting. And I believe it was Einstein who famously said, "Education is the progressive realization of our ignorance." Now I'm sure those watching are now less ignorant after seeing that. Um, Look, I'm just being blunt here, okay, but tongue-in-cheek there. I'm also sure that they are now starting to realise that ignorance is far more expensive than gaining a quality education. Now, I've been ignorant in the past. Mm, it's about coming forward to the front and actually just, you know, being real about what it is you need. So for the 90% of you who we know from our survey what a good education want a good education but are not getting it, what if you could achieve your goal of double-digit returns without dramatically increasing your risk? How would that make you feel and how would that change your life? That's what's really important mm. here and that's what's at stake. Now, I think it is time we got back into the chat, shall we? Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about this tonight and hopefully we've got our message across and that you know that you do something positive for yourself. Yeah, and the thing is it's, we're just interested in helping people make more money and that's we really what we're about. We want to change the statistics you know, because mm. the statistics across mm. the market – for people who who are who fail are poor, like it's really bad long term. You don't need to. 
people it doesn't need to be that way and mm. you know the history the gfc showed people a lot of things but unfortunately the mm. gfc hasn't taught people lessons because people are still repeating the same mistakes yep. and buying and holding and doing all of that waiting Human for the next decline so let's yep. get into where were we up to let's get into callum he was asking about bet Okay. So we've got so BET. What did he give any background as to why? Oh, well, if at I that go one? back onto it. Okay. So Callum has Callum been on our site before? Um, BET. I've got that one. Uh, Is that the only one we've yeah, got? Yeah. Well, they've got um, after that BET. We've got A2 Milk from Will. A2 Milk. So we we'll already loaded that. that one up, so that's already yep. there. And, and then Galaxy for Eddie. So um, they're the next three we've Galaxy. got. Galaxy. So. There it is. Yep, Callum said, hey, could you look at BET okay. stock for me? Be I bought before they signed a major got in deal. Early. Yep. So A2 Milk, first of all. Um, A2 Milk, um, look, mm -hmm. it has been sold off. And I'm glad that um, we exited out mm -hmm. of that one some time ago. So use rules to trade this one and nicely. Now, if you were, if you had our rules on this, you would have been out already. There would have been numerous signals to get out of it. If you're looking to get into it, it's going to be some time before the stock's likely to trigger that. Now, we know what's been happening with A2M and the whole um, takeover with Bellamy's um, and the Chinese company. So that's what's put a bit of uncertainty into A2 milk. Um, look, if I was looking at it, I'd have it on my watch list still. It's going to present good opportunities down the track. But right now, um, it doesn't look great. Now, BET... Uh, Betmakers Technology Group, looking at that, it's taken off. You can see here that it got sold down quite heavily. Now, what's interesting is understanding the history of it. It's not so much, even if you're in the stock now and you're excited about it, what's important is the volatility because this level of gains can be wiped out pretty quickly with a decline. Now, you'll notice that the stock fell 94%. So it had only been listed on the market for a very short period of time. There would have been people who were thinking, oh, this stock's awesome. Look, it's um, risen. Now, let's have a look at how far it rose from the, the day it came into the market, somewhere around there, um, to over. Now, I can't see that. I just have to drag it across to the left if I can grab that. That's not going to allow me to do it. We need a new pilot here, Dale. Well, what are you doing? I'm trying to see what that percentage is, but look, seven thousand and ninety-five. Looking at it quickly, it's probably more than um, more than doubled, right? So, it, in in terms of that initial few initial twelve mm. months, say to two years, and then it's fallen almost hundred percent of what it was mm. um, in those gains. But looking at it now, um, if you're in it, then you know, congratulations, you'd be holding onto it. But you'd really want to have some great solid rules um, for this particular stock. I think it has a potential to get to around this. Mm. Um, you know, 33, 36 cent mark, um, but in the short term, it's going to be volatile. Now, Galaxy, um, Galaxy Resources got sold off really strongly. Looking at that um, from the all-time high, it's currently down around 78%. Now, similar sort of thing to the last stock I talked about. These more volatile stocks, they are going to have periods where there will be big sell-offs. And um, so therefore, having fallen so dramatically as part of this move down, you'd be questioning why you're still holding it if you were, because there were so many rules that mm. would have allowed you to get out of it. I mean, looking at the top here, just the Dale's book, um, you know, How to Beat the Managed Funds and Accelerate Your Wealth would have given you the rules to exit this stock long before, somewhere around in here in Betty February says he bought it at $3, thinking to add more at current level, wanting it long-term hold for five years. Yeah, but why would you even think that way about a share? Correct. I mean, you don't just buy, put your money into a stock and think, I'm going to buy and hold this for five years. I mean, it's Especially just not, not a strategy. Especially not a stock like this. is very cyclical. If you did that Definitely five years ago, like you'd be that. no money. I mean, it's one thing to pick a stock like a bank that's mm. going to pay you a dividend with the franking and 
to mm. think that way from a, from a buy and holders perspective. But yeah, not like a Dale said, stock. this is not a stock, not a not a mining stock that's on the lower end of the scale, especially. And I would also add to a stock you're losing money on. That's just compounding it. Um, yeah. Because you're now down. If you bought it at three dollars, it's down below a dollar. So you're down seventy percent. So why add to more? Yeah, this, the funny thing mm. is that if, if say for instance, mm. some the, the corner shop, right? You know how corner shops went out of business? Mm. So if someone bought into a corner shop years and years ago mm. and someone offered you to buy another corner shop when their shop had already halved in value, would you go and buy another corner shop when you, you know, mm. the shops were going out of phase? I mean, this stock could go off. It, I've seen stocks go off the board completely after mm. they've fallen dramatically like this. So it's not to say that... This stock will recover. Hmm. You just don't know with these types of shares whether that's actually going to happen. Well, this stock has to go up more than 300% before you break even. So, And is it likely to do that over the next few years? It might. But you're living in hope and it's that whole... So it's having a plan, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is. And it's a lot of people, and I'm not saying anything about this, whoever it is, Eddie, you know, um, from there, but a lot of people, they they trade on the buy and pay method. They pray it goes up. Well, this is historically how people Mm. have bought shares, Mm. you know, thinking Mm. this. And it's not Eddie's fault. Like, you know, I mean, we've all done things like this. You know, we we first looked at the market and bought particular shares. I've lost 100% on a stock. Done that. Yeah, look, you know... Don't do it again. And that's one of the reasons why we're actually Mm. trying to help you mm. to get on the different paths. So mm. I think um, it's an expensive lesson. Uh, the thing is with this particular share is that it's not going to um, just recover mm. all that way anytime soon, I think. Right. So we've got to speed up because we've got a lot of stuff to do okay, here. So, so what's next? we've got CDA by David and then we'll do Santos for S. Anthony. No. So someone's got the whip out, have they? Yeah, that's me. CDA? Yep, and CDA Santos, oh, Santos. and INR. I don't like S32. Um, if that's for S Anthony, I don't like it at the moment. It's going down. S32. Yeah. Well, no, we're not going to cover that. I just cause, okay. What else? What was the other one? Because um, INR for I-N-R? Sam, I believe. INR. So it's INR or something limited. These are all. Hmm. Th- these are small stocks except for Santos, aren't they? Yes, um, correct. Okay, so we're looking at CDA. Um, Coden. Okay, so I'm, I'm just going to have a look at the volume on this particular stock if we've got that there. Because it's always, even though we don't um, use volume to trade, unless unless we're doing really short-term trading or looking for a particular signal out of a pattern to see that momentum's behind it. Mm. I mean, you can see here, the reason I wanted to have a look at this is because the volume does fluctuate on the smaller stocks quite a lot. And you can see the illiquidity of this share with so mm. many bars trading at the same price action one after the it's other. Quite liquid, isn't it? Yeah. But then you look at the volume has increased. So, you know, this is it's showing you what that happens. Sh- well, that shows sudden, you that the, the amateurs are buying at the top. Yeah, because it's not huge amounts mm. of money we're talking about here, mm. right? So um, compared to some of the bigger stocks on our mm. market. So, look, I would say, you know, if, if I was in this stock, I would be running it, running yeah, with yeah. it, and I'd be looking to take some profits once um, good solid rules are triggered. Mm-hmm. But I may not use a trend line on this particular stock because no, it, it may be suited rule. to a different rule, which is in the course as well. Santos is So nice. Santos looks interesting, doesn't it? It looks mm. great. It's just come back to test that sideways move. Huge support across this level, about 720, 730. Um, more medium term, it's bullish given that it's been up recently in September. So it took out those previous highs um, in 2018 and April 2019. Um, this is, you know, one of our favourite stocks, Santos. So looking at mm. that, there's a gap on the monthly, so it's more likely to rise towards nine or ten dollars. I think um, steady as she looking goes. Quite nice. Now the only short-term concern is this gap still on the weekly chart down here, but it appears to have actually um, broken that 
um, momentum of any selling mm. that occurred back in, um, just get my cursor over there, August 2019. So looking for a rise back above this high here in uh, the week ending the 4th of October 2019, and it'll be on its way again. So that's Santos. Um, now, S32 no, said no. We're not going to Ioneer. Um, now, we're looking at the sell-off. This, what's interesting about Another this share? Another illiquid stock. And look at, look at this. We can see here, if I put the um, crosshairs on there, you can see that it's almost traded up um, a similar number of months as it has fallen. If it was to continue to fall, it would almost be um, mm-hmm. like an A, an A shape, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And you do see that on some more volatile stocks where they almost trade up and then eventually the decline ends up being roughly the same amount of time on the way down. But it looks like it shorter term weekly and Mm. you can see the illiquidity of it, Mm. um, that it may actually be finding support. Now, it would need to trade back above that 21 cent mark to mm. actually confirm that it's on on its way again. Otherwise, the real risk is that it could just keep falling and come all the way back down to to below 10 cents. Yep. Okay. Never say a stock can't get cheaper when you're talking about small stocks. <laughs> okay, so how are we going? Point. There's yeah. a couple more. You can plug them in. We've got a couple oh, good, of other questions. More, but before fantastic. I go into those couple of questions, if you haven't liked the show tonight, just click that little button down the bottom there. Click the like button. And I know that about fi- over 50% of people who watch the show live and in the recording aren't subscribed to their channel. So we need to support. You know, We'd love to have your support. So click um, subscribe to the channel. It costs you absolutely nothing to do. And and it takes you only two seconds to do, but it really does help a lot. Uh, helps our channel a lot and helps a lot of people find who we are and what we're actually doing. So I'd love you to do that. So hit the like, hit subscribe and do that. Now, the question I've got is from Craig. He said, um, hi, Dale and Janine. Would like your thoughts on the strategy of getting out of a stock based on two bearish signs on the weekly chart where one is due to the whole of market downturn like last week. Now, my answer to that is not good enough. Um, Two berry signs in one week doesn't tell you to sell. Um, And especially given it's a reaction to a market, that's not. And what is the berry sign? Because a lot of people say to me, actually I had somebody say to me today on um, YouTube saying, there's a doji, Mm. you know? And I went, and as soon as I read that, not being rude to the person, I went, yeah, big deal. But people think because they see a doji or a candlestick reversal that the market's going to turn around and melt down or it's going to go the other way. And it's not. Candlesticks are like very short term and that's all they are. And a lot of people don't understand that dojis in certain places have more strength than dojis in other places. And so this is that whole stuff about that lack of education that person might have bought in to that stock too early seeing a doji. And sometimes when you see people asking about, oh, here's this rule that's broken on the weekly chart. And we go, well, why would you buy that there? Or why would you sell that there? Mm. Because we're using a lot more rules and a lot more knowledge and a lot more mm. confidence in what we're actually doing. And so that's where we're getting better runs. And so we we position trade. So we run the trade all the way to the end from the start to the finish. Now, we're not buying at the top or, uh, and, and selling at the bottom. And we're not buying right at the very bottom and selling at the very top. We're taking the big safe chunk in the middle um, mm. and let our profits run. So, But let's get into this stock, which okay. only is, what are we looking at? Emico Holdings, EHL. Oh, um, that was by Jack. Okay. okay, thanks very much, Jack. And we're looking at um, a stock that was in its heyday, up around um, $12, and is now trading at $1.90 or thereabouts. Now, you know, that really puts things in perspective, in my opinion, and think about this when you're trading the lower end of the market. So looking at um, EHL, you can see it is finding appears to be finding support now, 
But this recent um, move down on the market actually pushed it below the 30th of August 2019. So, you know, while it may have been finding support here the first week of September, now we're seeing a real test of the support because it just goes across the chart. It's not just at that point we can see. And this is why it's really important to look at the monthly chart, Mm. because if you're just trading short term and you're looking at this, then you really Mm. have blinkers on. Mm. Um, So you're not seeing the the strength of this level. Now, if that level was broken, well, you know, it could be heading all the way back to below a dollar, similar to that other stock we looked at um, in terms of back below an important level. So, but at the moment it might find support. And if it happened to trade um, above this level around here, this 213, then it would really start to look interesting again. But there are a lot of new interesting stocks, haven't we, that tonight we have, that we don't, yeah. normally, we don't get. normally get from um, viewers. I love so, seeing these stocks. Um, this one's interesting, um, SVY, now Stavy Minerals Limited. Now this is, um, obviously there's been an announcement here, um, that the mm. stock's rocketed up. So whoever's typed this in, you might want to also type in what the announcement was. Now, this is patchy as anything. In terms of the liquidity, it's all over the place. So yeah. it actually um, is an example of, you know, okay, with you could make some really nice money, but it's but how? It's, it's a needle in a haystack just, question. You've got to get it? in and get out. Um, yeah. And looking at this, mm. um, you can just have a look at how far it fell when it did fall. So, you know, you, if you bought and held, you would have been gr- um, mm. had to grin and bear it for a while because you, you would have been down about 60-odd percent. This doesn't happen with a lot of stocks. The opposite happens with a lot of these smaller stocks. Um, so I'm just looking at, you know, mm. one that has actually gone up. So this is what sucks people in. It does. When they see stocks like this and they think, I'm just going to find that little minnow myself that's going to just skyrocket. And I remember thinking this way too when I started out and then realising that, you know, you can find stocks that can give much more consistent returns if you're actually smarter about it. And forgetting the one-off that you might have put, you know, say you've got a portfolio of 100,000 and you had 10,000 position size, you might have thought, oh, okay, this is more volatile. I'm yeah. not sure if I really want to put my money in it because you've heard announcements about it or something. And I'm speaking from, you know, historical mm. um, experience here. And say you put uh, half of that in, 5,000, well, then you have to sort of start to question yourself, why am I mm. putting any money in at all if I wasn't willing to put the full position in based on the proper design of my portfolio? Well, the reason is because most of these penny dreadfuls, if you like, end up dreadful. That's why they call Uh, them penny dreadfuls. Correct. But this one turned out to be a good one. That could be one out of 20. Yeah, but if you trade, I was talking to one of our students who missed a trade on, I think it was New Farm the other week that shot off like a rocket. And a lot of our students got into it. That's not a penny dreadful, though. No, 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 no. But a lot of traders, a lot of our students got into it Mm. and they got the run. He'd missed it because he didn't see it. Okay. And he was sort of kicking himself. I missed it. I didn't get into it. How do I find stocks like this? I want to find stocks like this. And I just said, trade well. Well, all he has to do is look at the top 100 or top Correct. 200. Correct. If he trades, can... if he if he follows his, does his trading well and follows the rules, those mm. stocks come up like the mm. other students got in and made the money really quickly. Yeah. I think it was in a matter of five, four or five weeks of owning it, they made a lot of money. Mm. And so that's what I was saying to him. If you trade well and you've got good rules and good strategies, those stocks will just keep popping up. From time to time, you'll get one that'll run one, two, three hundred percent on you mm. over a period of weeks, end or months, and you'll get it. But you'll get it safer because you're going to get these wrong more times than you're going to get it right. And you can't get good rules on this sort of no, stuff. No, they're very That's hard the to get. So but you can't back test this and be and have any sort of confidence on it at all. It's just sort mm. of like, you know, lick the finger, test the wind. Well, I was I was with an analyst one day, uh, an industry analyst, and they said they'd done the research on these sorts of stocks. And they said you have less than 1% chance of making it 
on mm. these stocks. Okay. And so that tells you know, and that well, I already knew I shouldn't be trading them, or I'll, mm. and I wasn't at the time, obviously. Um, but yeah, so the research is it's very hard to make stocks on this. So did you ever trade some of these? No, oh, I did back. I took bought a couple of tech stocks back in the early two thousands, and that's one of the ones I lost my money on. Mm. So, well, actually, I've only had one stock I've lost all my money on. That was one of them. Mm. I can't even remember the name of it. It's okay. wiped from my memory. I deleted oh, really? the memory bank. I don't do that again. Yeah, um, look, I think that's good because some people just hang on to them, which is not a. Good yeah, I think at the time I had a lot of people in my ear going, "You know, you're trading all the boring stuff," and it's like, "Yeah, BHP is actually." Boring. That, that I had someone actually tell me that mm. recently. Um, someone who was looking to do one of our courses tell me that mm. that um, he'd been told that you, oh, you should trade some of these other stocks. So he went and listened, and then he ended up buying three or four positions, and that he the good stocks mm. that he was actually. Um, that he actually happened to have in his portfolio, the returns that he made on those got wiped out by those crappy ones. So I think he, mm. out of those three or four stocks, I think one did okay, but the yeah. other ones just went like a lead sinker down. Yeah, well, I know during the tech boom and bust, all the people that were trading those techie stocks all got wiped out, and I'm yeah. still here. Mm. I was the one making money because I was trading better stocks and not getting sucked into that. Yeah, you always like big stocks, yeah. didn't you? I always like the big stocks. Mm. You know, your News Corps, your banks, your you know your yeah. BHPs, your Rios, all of those sorts of things. So. I was making, and I ended up making a lot more money than they did, even though they thought I was the crazy one because okay. I was, because they saying, oh, old economy is boring. And I went, well, you can go and trade what you like and take the high so risk. So you're saying be boring, it's better? Boring. Making money is boring. Is that boring. a new slogan? Be boring, it's better. Yeah, making money is boring. If you mm. get it right, it's boring. You make money. But mm. I think we've come to the end okay. of the show, haven't we? We have. Otherwise, we'll get yelled at by our producer um, from that anyway. So, But I hope you've enjoyed tonight's show. And really, thanks very much for participating. And sorry we didn't get to all your questions. I know there's been a bucket load of questions on the you show. But, but yeah, I did stop I you. I would have kept going. Yeah, you would have kept going. So, But as I said a little bit earlier, if you'd like to see the show grow, then remember, hit that like button, share it on your social media, and please subscribe to the channel. As I said, it costs you nothing, takes you a few seconds, and it really does help the channel grow and helps us and helps other people like you find the channel so we can help more people so we like to share it because the more you uh more we can do the more you will learn and we've bought a new camera for tonight so hopefully it looks good i know janine always looks good thank you uh, hopefully i look a little bit better and somebody asked me if i'd been in the sun while i was away and i yes i was on a tropical island 30 degrees and i got a little sunburn i got a little bit of a suntan yes so but also make sure you put this show into your calendar so that you're back online next tuesday at 7 p.m if you cannot be with us live next week, we're always happy to receive your questions. So send them to info at wealthwithin.com.au and just type Wealth Within Live in the subject line. Okay, well, that does bring us to the end of the show. So we really hope you enjoyed it, as I've mentioned. And I know I've enjoyed it and I know you've enjoyed bringing it to you. It. So, But as always, thanks for taking part. We'll see you again next Tuesday at 7 p.m. So for now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.